The Place, where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Sean Jackman from Kids Table Board Gaming, also known as KTBG. Sean is their communications director, and they recently launched Maple Valley, a follow-up to Creature Comforts, that's currently on Kickstarter. Sean, welcome to The Binge. How you doing? Great, great. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, maybe you can start off by um, explaining to us kind of your role in uh, in in KTPG. Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, we are a very small company, so in as in many small companies, you wear many hats. But I I kind of see myself as uh, the voice of the company. I yeah. uh, I'm running all different uh, social media uh, channels and uh, kind of like the first point of contact for uh, different uh, customers and fans of the games and whatnot. And uh, I try to uh, uh, craft the different uh, campaigns. So uh, setting the tone for the different games that we're putting out there and, you know, help with uh, help with creating the messaging. Now, again, because we're so small, you know, we kind of, all collaborate on that and everybody has inputs uh but i'm the one who kind of puts it out there the first first line of contact oh that's awesome now you you've got quite a, a history in in the board gaming industry right so you've been doing this i guess <laughs> decades uh, how did you first kind of get into the the industry yeah, um, so I, I mean, I grew up a board game fan. Like I was, I was playing games with the family at the cottage uh, when I was when I was a kid. So I always had a love of gaming. And um, yeah, about about twelve years ago, Snakes and Lattes opened in Toronto, and mm. I was, uh, you know, lucky enough to uh, work at that place that was such a you know you know mecca for gaming for for such a long time. And, uh, you know, when you were there in the early days of Snakes and Lattes, it was very much, uh, it, it felt like you were on kind of the crest of this wave of uh, yeah. board game fandom where, you know, people would come in and it was, uh, it was weirdly the hot place to be in the city in Toronto. And so, um, you know, you, you, you kind of got a sense that uh, board games were really having their moment and really kind of stepping into their own and, and people were really responding strongly uh, to the hobby at the time. And uh, so I spent uh, three really fun, exciting years at Snakes and Lattes. And from, uh, from there, when I left, when I left there, I, I really loved talking about board games and photographing board games. It was, it was kind of a weird mm. hobby of mine. And um, so I founded the uh, Daily Worker Placement, which is, you know, just a small little blog that I really kind of did just because I liked writing and, and talking about board games and photographing them. And, uh, you know, with uh, help from friends and people that I met through the industry, that blog kind of grew over the years and, and became, you know, semi-popular underground blog, I suppose. Um, and and from there like i just made connections you know just got to know uh different people in the industry and uh you know my skills writing and and photographing board games were transferable to what a lot of companies uh needed and so you know over the years i went from 
you know, working at uh, various shows like Gen Con and Origins, that sort of thing, uh, as just, you know, like demo staff teaching games and sharing my passion of games with people at those shows to eventually kind of having staff positions with a few different uh, companies and like using those skills, like transferring those skills into, uh, you know, full-time positions. When you said, uh, you know, it was kind of like that buzz of the of the early years of of something special happening in in the uh, in the indie industry, I, I can totally relate. Uh, I mean, for those who don't know, Snakes and Lattes uh, in Toronto here, so we're in Canada, um, is uh, at the time was probably the board game cafe, right? It was it, it was the destination for going to board, at least the largest one that I knew of. And I think for me, the first time I walked in, I was that whole shock factor of seeing the library, <laughs> right? Like walls of, of, of games. Yeah. And this whole idea that you've got these experts kind of there to help you navigate it and, and learn how to play things. It, it was a foreign concept to me. I, I had just got into the indie industry uh, at that time. And uh, it was a real eye opener for me. And uh, I think what's kind of cool when I talk to people, and I've talked to a number of people that have worked for different board game cafes and, and even several that have worked for this one in particular, is the ability for you to kind of cut your teeth, right, on the industry and and really kind of see it holistically, I guess is the best way I can describe it, right? You, you can see it from different angles, different mechanics, different game styles, but also people. And you start learning people's game styles and what people are looking for and kind of learn how to match certain games up with certain people and based on, you know, you know, the timing they need and the, the style they need and, you know, whether they like take that or not like take that and things like that. Uh, it is super cool. And I think that's probably really been a, a, a super strong foundation for you coming into this industry uh, before even going off to some of these conventions and stuff, I would say. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, it, it was great uh, as, as you say, to like cut your teeth and to, you know, really hone my skills. I mean, as, as many people who get deeper into the industry are, uh, I was always one of the people who would like learn the game and teach it to my friends and whatnot. And to be able to sort of build that skill, like it is a skill to be able to uh, to teach a game, layer the information on and in sort of the correct sort of way. And I mean, when you're teaching, you know, 20, 30 games, a shift or whatever it ended up being, and lattes you really you got to understand uh that their game is to be able to look for the right game for the for the group and that skill really translates into because it it always it, it allows you to always identify the selling point of a game is and that uh you know while a game might not be for everybody there are people uh for whom will love this game and uh you know just being able to identify those uh you know selling points of a game to to a group is is a skill certainly that uh i started to learn at snakes and lattes so yeah definitely an asset to my career that's gonna even help i think with um the uh like even rule books right understanding how to structure mm-hmm like books, even communications, quite frankly, if I need to explain a game really quickly to an audience, and now you're talking a macro audience, right? Uh, How do you do that in an effective way? And uh, so having that kind of that skill set has definitely got to be an asset. Now you've worked with some very large companies uh, over the years. So can you walk me through quickly that that journey, like these different companies that you worked for and kind of what were your roles? 
I had, uh, you know, the, the industry is very small. And so I was lucky enough to uh, make some connections early and uh, was able to sort of uh, become an asset to the different companies. And, you know, what I found is that uh, in, in the board game industry, often it is the case that, um, you know, your role is very amorphic and, and what you mm. can bring to a company uh, sort of changes over time. So seeing seeing ways in which you can contribute to a company is is really important. And, uh, you know, I, I have been lucky enough to to, you know, build a reputation as somebody who can help out help out different companies in different ways. Um, you know, I've got a background in journalism and photojournalism. And so those skills, again, are, are kind of transferable. And in starting with uh, some of the bigger companies, I, I think when you see a big company like Asmodee or Simon from the outside, it seems, uh, you know, like a big organization. And it yeah. is, but I mean, it's run by people and you just form connections with these people and and see what it is that they need and and you know help kind of become a part of that team so that's um, cool yeah it's just filling holes that you see and then with ktbg then obviously your, your reputation preceded you and uh, that seemed like i guess a natural fit was it for the napoleon as a as a communications director yeah um well uh so KTBG uh, is uh, Helena Capel's company with uh, her husband, Josh Capel. And, you know, I've been friends with them for years. Uh, we always really liked each other and really were looking for projects to work on together and had worked on a few different projects, you know, before uh, I came on uh, board with them fully. And uh, yeah, it was just a natural fit. I mean, we have the same sensibilities in terms of board game design and, uh, what we want to contribute to uh, the industry and what we hope to give back to the industry. So, uh, you know, philosophically, game-wise, uh, we just we just mesh really, really well. And uh, so, yeah, it was just a natural fit. And, I mean, I really love their games and working on their games. Yeah. So that's is, now, the current campaign, is this the first campaign you worked on since you've joined their team, or did you work on some of the prior campaigns as well, or...? Uh, you know, I've worked with them uh, for for a few years now. So the first campaign I worked on was a game called uh, Fossilus, which oh, was, I know Fossilus. Uh, David Diaz a, uh, game. Yeah, yes, exactly, David Diaz. Yes, a game about uh, uh, you know exploration and finding uh, dinosaur bones. It's a bit of a set collection game, but very tactile with the three D dig site board. So that was the first campaign I worked on. And I've worked on several uh, since then, uh, Creature Comforts, which uh, Maple Valley is the standalone sequel to, uh, Power Plants by Adam Dalton, which is a great sort of magical, botanical, abstract game, and uh, and Maple Valley. So, yeah. No, that's crazy. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been fun. So you had a bit of a run. So how would you describe... Um... Uh, so Maple Valley, and let me just say at the beginning, congratulations on, um, on the campaign so far. I mean, gosh, you guys have hit uh, almost uh, $273,000, uh, 3,393 backers. I mean, that is, that is incredible. Um, especially when I'm looking at the environment right now at Kickstarter and, you know, when I often scroll through the games, a lot of accessories, right. And a lot of, um, 
uh, role-playing uh, manuals and so forth on there, but there's not a lot of, I would say, board games, right? Like the, of, of, of the board games, this is definitely a monolith that's kind of standing out in terms of funding, right, versus the other. So congratulations on that. I think that's amazing. Um, you know, not everybody is necessarily familiar with Creature Comforts. Can you kind of talk about Creature Comforts as kind of the world or the theme before we kind of get into Maple Valley as, as a game? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so Creature Comforts was by uh, Roberta Taylor a few years back, and she had this simple design where, uh, you know, really she wanted to create a game uh, that was cozy. That was like kind of this idea that uh, she had in her head. And uh, the game was designed to be competitive, certainly, but not to feel overly aggressive, like a game to be made where you're uh, creating uh, the warmth of your own uh, den. And, uh, you know, somebody was going to come out on top and have them that that wasn't the feeling that was for in this game when it took it from there. So the idea of that is is a worker placement game with uh, dice resolution, and it's set in a uh, you know a forest valley full of cute critters all trying to prepare their dens for winter. So uh, an interesting kind of twist on a worker placement game that I think uh, a lot of people have uh, have played in the past, and then and then Maple Valley kind of takes it a next step uh, beyond there. Yeah, certainly the world is, uh, it, it's adorable. Like the, the artwork is, uh, is it the same artist used for Creature Comforts as uh, Maple Valley as well? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, Shauna J.C. Tenney. Uh, she's absolutely amazing. She, she kind of creates so much personality. I mean, the locations and, and the boards themselves are beautiful. Oh, yeah. uh, I think they, they really pull you in, especially the Maple Valley board has all sorts of uh, beautiful extra little details that, that I think, you know, as you're playing the game, you'll, you'll notice them over time. Uh, but uh, more than anything else, she does a great job with the various um, uh, critters, like the different uh, critters in uh, Maple Valley and in Creature Comforts. She just, uh, she really kind of creates a personality and, uh, you know, uh, a family of critters. Uh, for the different uh, the different groups in the game, and uh, yeah, like we were just so thrilled to work with her again. We couldn't really see it with any other artist. Uh, it's yeah. the third game we've worked on with her after uh, Bugs on Rugs as well. Where's she based out of? Is she Canadian or what's her background? Uh, she's not Canadian. She's based out of the states, uh, okay. but I don't know exactly where in the states. Yeah, but she's worked on uh, a number of different games, and she's got always got a bunch of projects on the go yeah so for this particular game so um for maple valley so who who's the designer and and can you kind of give us an overview of kind of the essence of you know how you play this game and you know kind of the gist of it yeah sure uh so roberta taylor uh is the designer of the game designer of creature comforts as well as as well as a bunch of other ones so in this game it is uh the first day of spring and you are the youngest uh, member of your family. And uh, it's up to you to uh, run around the valley, collecting different goods and crafting them into uh, favors for the spring festival. So you're going to hopefully be the critter who has brought the most uh, goods to the festival and, and has made the biggest contribution to make it a big success. 
So what's interesting about the game is uh, we call it a worker movement game. And the idea is that the uh, board itself is a map of Maple Valley. And there's a number of different uh, locations sort of spread out throughout the board. And uh, you are going to move from location to location by spending friend cards from your hand. And each of the different friend cards has a movement type to it. So, uh, you know, an otter will move across water paths and a Mm. bear will move along rock paths and so on like that. And so um, each turn, you're going to play a friend card from your hand and you're going to move to a new location and you're going to activate that spot. And that can be gathering goods or exchanging them for something else or adding new friends to your hand, different, different things that you can do. And ultimately what you're trying to uh, accomplish is uh, gathering goods and crafting them into favors for this party. So uh, it's, it's interesting. It's um, it is tricky uh, to, to always get to the spot that you want to get to, but uh, we've, we've kind of put in enough little, tricks uh within the game itself to usually with a little bit of planning uh accomplish everything you're trying to do so and when i was looking at something and scrolling over some of the imagery here uh for people that are watching uh the replay or live um some of these tokens seem very canadian to me as a canadian but almost subtle so someone that's not from canada may not see them that way right but when i look at some of these things like we've got like a trillium for example so mm-hmm. just as a flower but you That's and i right. both know <laughs> that the trillium is the official flower of ontario which is where um you know where the owners are based out of uh, there's honey there's there's birch uh trees um you know you know mint which you can find you know out uh, as you forge here so was that the inspiration was that done on purpose or is it just kind of subconsciously canadian <laughs> oh no no it was absolutely done on purpose um so uh b- both maple valley and uh, creature comforts uh the idea was uh you know that it's like a little fantastical village somewhere in algonquin park which is a big yeah. uh provincial park here in ontario and so every every uh, animal that you see in the game uh, is something that uh, actually lives in Algonquin Park. Uh, all of the little elements, like you say, like the, the trillium, the honey, uh, the goods, those sorts of things, all, all things that you would find in Algonquin Park. Um, in the uh, in creature comforts, there's a, a coin which is you know modeled after the the now defunct Canadian penny. So, mm. uh, yeah, we try, you know, th- th- certainly is done uh, with intention and purpose and, and not to not to hit anybody over the head with it. Just like a little nod to, you know, our Canadian roots, because uh, both Roberta and uh, and KTBG Canadian company. So, you know, just like a little subtle nod to to our roots. There. That's cool. I, I personally love it being a Canadian. It's a little, uh, a little bias. Uh, with I, you notice that there is in your campaign page as well. Um, there's this voting system for the patches. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Uh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, a KTBG uh, campaign. We always love to have uh, interaction with mm-hmm. our fans and backers, and we like to get their input on various polls. So, so in particular, the patch polls. So patches in the game are uh, little, little uh, cards that you can acquire that 
will give you some sort of benefit. They'll either help you uh, during the game or help you with end game scoring. And uh, we wanted to get some input from from our fans. Uh, so we had uh, people suggest different uh, different topics, different titles for the patch tiles, and other other people comment on what the illustration would be on that patch. And like. For us, it's a lot of fun because we get to see sort of the excitement and and passion that our fans have for the games. It's yeah, it's, that that is honestly one of the most rewarding things because you know we sit for for months and months working on a game and and you know we we play it with um, um, amongst ourselves and we we get it out there for playtesting and whatnot. But to see this sort of interaction just kind of justifies the hard work that we put in. It it lets us know that people are as excited as we are. And the nice thing for for backers and whatnot is that, you know, their suggestion might get in the game, but not only that, their name might get in the game as sort of a contributor to it. That's cool. It's fun for them because, I mean, I know the first time I saw my name in a rule book or anything like that, just as a just as a play tester. Thank you. uh, That was a real thrill for me. So, you know, we like to do that sort of thing. We we do that in all of our campaigns. Like we try to find ways to reach out to our audience and let our audience give us feedback uh, to let them put kind of their fingerprints on the game as well. From an algorithm standpoint, the one thing I noticed is it says you're voting, you're voting in the comment section of the Kickstarter page, which as you know, the more comments you have on your page, the more the algorithms kick in and, and again, help bring it to the top. So, uh, so it's very clever, right? Cause you guys have the community engagement engagement part where you got people uh, getting involved and helping you kind of craft the direction that you're going mm-hmm. at the same time, the mechanism to, to do that voting process, uh, you know, gives you that algorithm yeah. boost, boost, which is really, uh, really cool and really clever. Is there any, what are some other things that you've done as a community manager that, one thing I noticed going through your different uh, campaigns, right, that uh, that KTBG's done, is it almost seems like you've got a formulaic approach now to how the Kickstarter pages are structured, right? So it, it seems like you guys are really honed in on, okay, this was working for us, so now our campaign's moving forward, we're going to structure them this way, and you know, the little minor tweaks and so forth, but it's fairly consistent. Is there anything else that you guys have learned? successfully kind of uh, generation after generation with these games that you've been able to adopt during campaigns and say, okay, we know this kind of thing works for us. So we're going to make sure we carry that forward in, in, in future campaigns. Yeah. I mean, as you say, yes, like we're, we are still learning from each campaign, uh, things that work and things that uh, don't work. But uh, for us, basically, I mean, in terms of like setting up the page, uh, Josh is uh, a master of graphic design and uh, laying out information in a way that's easy to receive. Uh, we try to listen to feedback, so things positive and negative that uh, people uh, notice throughout the campaign. And uh, just making sure information is upfront where people can see it. Things. Things that people want to see are, um, you know, how to play sections, uh, mm. reasons why to back. Like, uh, tell us, tell us why backing uh, this game now is makes more sense than like waiting for retail. Those sorts of things, ways that we can communicate the value of our games over yeah. time. Because I think that's uh, what perhaps uh, we all struggle with as artists is um really valuing our work and really championing championing 
the the qualities that are that are in the games and the things that sort of set our games apart and uh so we try to uh we try to just really identify the reasons why backing one of our games makes sense and uh the ways we try to go above and beyond you know even just a retail version of it no super cool I mean, you guys have had a pretty good tracker record here now of of each successive game, um, and the frequency. Like the engine is is really running well here. Uh, is there is there something else you guys got coming next that you can tease out at all, or is it uh, is it all secrets at this point? Or yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, it? certainly, we're uh, we're already thinking about our next game past uh, Maple Valley, and uh, we we do have a game that uh, we've been working on for a long time. It's exciting. Um, I'm gonna say, uh, say just just a teaser bit of information, which sure. is, uh, dungeon crawling battleship, and that's that is where Ooh. I will. That's where I will leave it there. Just just a teaser bit of information that um, we've got a new game that's that's really unique, and I think uh, people are gonna really love. It's gonna be very different than any game that we've worked on in the past. But uh, yeah, we're super excited about it. But I can't say anymore. That's, oh, that's good. That uh, that reminds me of uh, James Cameron, his pitch, right? When he goes in to pitch to the executives and Titanic is a big example of that where he'd say, uh, he goes, okay, so the idea of this movie, Romeo and Juliet on the on the Titanic. That That's his pitch, right? right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Avatar, Pocahontas in space. <laughs> right? Like yeah, yeah. this is uh as so I, I love that, you know, dungeon crawling uh, battleship. That's uh that's quite clever. Um for people that do want to follow this campaign, I am going to put a link in the show notes. Um or they can literally just type in um Maple Valley. Uh I'm sure uh, if you go to KT BG, I can never get the I always want to put G before B, but um if they go to Kids Table uh, Board Gaming, obviously there's uh, all the games on there. Is there a social channel specifically that people like of the channels you guys have? What's the one that you, you guys would suggest people going to in order to kind of follow you guys? I mean, we are uh, always updating uh, them most of the time, but our Facebook page, Kids Table uh, BG, is updated uh, fairly regularly, okay. few, you know, several times a day, especially during the campaign. Twitter account uh, for now, you know, and. Uh, uh instagram as well like we're always trying to to get uh the message out on all those various channels so oh that's awesome well hey sean i want to wish you guys all the best to you and the entire team on this campaign uh you guys should be very very proud of where you are already there's still 15 days to go uh so i'm sure people are gonna be high-fiving at the end of this campaign and uh all the best is coming here eh? thanks so much thank you thanks for having me no worries take care cheers This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. 